0: All right, welcome for the last time to the Womance Public Access Read Along of Jane Eyre. I was your odd chapter reader, Morgan. And I
1: was your even chapter reader, Isabeau.
0: Beep, beep, you still are, because we've got (laughs) one more evenly numbered chapter, helpfully titled in my edition, Conclusion.
1: The Thrilling Conclusion.
0: Yeah, which I think is nice because I do sometimes I get confused, and I think the footnotes are part of the book.
1: It's true. This is a this is a helpful notation. Thank you.
0: What have ye wrought, David Foster Wallace?
1: What have ye wrought?
0: But yeah, so we are ready to wrap up chapter thirty-eight. But at this point, or wrap up the whole book by reading chapter thirty-eight. At this point, you all know the drill. I'm going to give you a quick recap of what happened in chapter twenty. Chapter twenty. Chapter. 37 as the crow flies while Isabel clears her throat (coughs) to read chapter 38 in chapter 37 our lovers are reunited and they are very happy they are so happy they are sitting in a sun dappled meadow for God's sake we find out you know Jane is able to see Rochester and he's missing a hand and he's blind But he is very happy that she's returned, and she takes over as woman of the house right away. And they agree that they are going to live as husband and wife. They are. So we have technically arrived at our HEA, but this would not be a canonical romance novel unless we had an extraneous limb of an ending.
1: The epilogue.
0: Isabeau. (laughs) It's not even the epilogue. It's the conclusion. This is pro- the proto-epilogue. Um,
1: proto-epilogue.
0: Take it away, Isabel.
1: Reader, I married him. A quiet wedding we had, he and I. The parson and clerk were, were alone present. When we got back from church, I went into the kitchen of the manor house where Mary was cooking the dinner and John cleaning the knives. And I said, Mary, I have been buried to Mr. Rochester this morning. The housekeeper and her husband were both of that decent phlegmatic order of people, always true to form and classist, to whom one may at any time safely communicate a remarkable piece of news without incurring the danger of having one's ears pierced by some shrill ejaculation and subsequently stunned by a torrent of wordy wonderment mary did look up and she did stare at me the ladle with which she was basting a pair of chickens roasting at the fire did for some three minutes hang suspended in air and for the same space of time john's knives also rest from the polishing process but mary bending again over the roast said only have you miss well for sure A short time after she pursued, I seed you go with the master, but I didn't know where you were going to church to be wed, and she basted away. John, when I turned to him, was grinning from ear. I told Mary how it would be. He said, I knew, what Mi- I knew what Mr. Edward, John was his an old servant and knew his master when he was the cadet of the house, therefore he often gave him his Christian name. I knew what Mr. Edward would do, and I was certain he would not wait long neither, and he'd done right for aught I knew. I wish you joy, miss, and he politely pulled his forelock. Thank you, John.
0: Two things. I am so glad that we got clarification as to why John would refer to Rochester by his first name. Because for a second there, I was like, oh, no, is John a bad person? But now I know it's fine. Oh, no, is
1: John transgressing class?
0: Yeah, uh uh-oh. The other thing is time in this novel. I don't know if it's because... It was written in a different era and time passed differently. And I believe that it was incredibly – your lifespan was incredibly short, but your increments of time were likewise shortened, right? But three minutes sounds ludicrous to be holding a ladle. Three minutes? Is that actually because of, like, the way time moved differently historically or is it because we say shit like, I'll be five minutes – But when I say that, it means 20. But it seems, isn't that, but that would just. It's a
1: weird measure of time. Like, did she get her pocket watch out? Like. It's
0: specific.
1: So specific.
0: It's specific. And because of the way that, like, now five minutes means 20 minutes, I feel like it's literal. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And. This book is imagining this woman holding a ladle above a chicken
1: that's roasting on the fire for
0: three minutes, contemplating.
1: Contemplating what she'll say because she won't be shrill and wordy. She's not gonna be phlegmatic. Good to know that women have always been described as shrill. Like that's not a modern take.
0: Yeah, and it's also good to see that women were doing it to each other. Yeah,
1: that makes me feel like progress isn't real.
0: We did it, guys. <laughs> Guys used intentionally.
1: (laughs) Thank you, John. Mr. Rochester told me to give you and Mary this. I put into his hand a five pound note because I'm a generous bitch. (laughs) Generous bitch! (laughs) Without waiting to hear more, I left the kitchen and passing the door of that sanctum sometime after, I caught the words She'll happen to do better for him, nor own to nor aunt the grand ladies and again if she bent one of the handsome, if she bent one of oh, the handsomest she's none foul and very good natured and i seen she's fair beautiful anybody may see that
0: my editor wants to note that non foul is probably a dialect pronunciation of not foul which is northern british dialect for ugly some editors prefer no fool so that's very big of you, mm. Susan Weiser, for including the perspective of other editors in your footnote. I
1: wrote to Morehouse and to Cambridge immediately to say what I had done, fully explaining also why I had thus acted. Diana and Mary approved the step unreservedly. Diana announced that she would just give me time to get over the honeymoon, and then she would come and see me. She had had better not wait till then, Jane, said Mr. Rochester when I read her letter to him. If she does, she will be too late, for our honeymoon will shine our life long. Its beams will only fade over your grave or mine. That is very sweet.
0: That's so nice.
1: How St. John, or how St. John received the news, I don't know. He never answered the letter in which I communicated it. (laughs) Petty bitch. Yet, six months after, he wrote to me, without, however, mentioning Mr. Rochester's name or alluding to my marriage. His letter was then calm, and though very serious, kind He has maintained a regular, though not frequent, correspondence ever since. He hopes I am happy, and trusts I am not, of those who live without God in the world, and only mind earthly things. You have not quite forgotten little Adele, have you, reader? I had not. I soon asked and obtained leave of Mr. Rochester to go and see her at the school where he <laughs> had placed her. Her frantic joy at beholding me again moved me much. She looked pale and thin. She said she was not happy. I found the rules of the establishment were too strict, its course of study too severe for a child of her age. I took her home with me. I meant to become her governess once more, but I soon found this impracticable. My time and cares were now required by another." My husband needed them all. <laughs> so I sought out a school, conducted on a more indulgent system, and near enough to permit of my visiting her often and bringing her home sometimes. I took care she should never want for anything that, she could, that could contribute to her comfort. She soon settled in her new abode, became very happy there, and made fair progress in her studies. As she grew up, a sound English education corrected in a great measure her French defects, And when she left school, I found her in a pleasing and obliging companion, docile, good-tempered, and well-principled. It was a dappled mare. (laughs) By her grateful attention to me and mine, she has long since well repaid little kindness I ever had in it my power to offer her. My tale draws to its close, one word respecting my experience of married life, and one brief glance at the fortunes of those whose names have most frequently recurred in this narrative, and I have done. I have now been married ten years. I know what it is to live entirely for and with what I love best on earth. I hold myself supremely blessed, blessed beyond what language can express, because I am my husband's life as fully as he is mine. No woman was ever nearer to her mate than I am, ever more absolutely bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. I know no weariness of my Edwards society. he knows none of mine any more than we do we each do of the pulsation. Of the heart that beats in our separate bosoms consequently we are ever together to be together is for us to be at once as free as in solitude as gay as in company we talk i believe all day long to talk to each other is but a more animated and an audible thinking all my confidence is bestowed on him all his confidence is devoted to me we are precisely suited in character perfect concord is the result Mr. Rochester continued blind the first two years of our union. Perhaps it was that circumstance that drew us so very near, that knit us so very close, for I was then his vision." As I am still his right hand, literally I was, what he often called me, the apple of his eye. He saw nature, he saw books through me, and never did I weary of gazing for his behalf, and of putting into words the effect of field, tree, town, river, cloud, sunbeam, of the landscape before us, of the weather round us, and impressing by sound on his ear what light could no longer stamp on his eye. Never did I weary of reading to him, never did I weary of conducting him where he wished to go, of doing for him what he wished to be done, and there was a pleasure in my services, most full, most exquisite, even though sad, because he claimed these services without painful shame or dampening humiliation. He loved me so truly that he knew no, re- no reluctance profiting by my attendance. He felt I loved him so fondly that to yield that attendance was to indulge my sweetest wishes." One morning, at the end of the two years, as I was writing a letter to his dictation, he came and bent over me and said, Jane, have you glittering ornament around your neck? I had a gold watch chain. I answered, yes. Have you a pale blue dress on? I had. He informed me then that for some time he had fancied the obscurity clouding one eye was becoming less dense, and that now he was sure of it. He and I went up to London, he had the advice of an eminent oculist, and he eventually recovered the sight of that one eye. cannot see very distinctly, he cannot read or write much, but he can find his way without being led by the hand. The sky is no longer a blank to him, the earth no longer a void. When his firstborn was put into his arms, he could see that the boy had inherited his own eyes, that they were large, brilliant, and black. On that occasion, he again, with a full heart, acknowledged that God had tempered judgment with mercy. Firstborn, huh? (laughs) Not Adele. (laughs) Justice for Adele. (laughs) My Edward and I then are happy and more so because those we most love are happy likewise. Diana and Mary Rivers are both married. Alternately, once every year they come to us to come see us and we go see them. Diana's husband is a captain in the Navy, a gallant officer and a good man. Mary's is a clergyman, a college friend of her brother's, and from his attainments and principles worthy of the connection. Both Captain FitzJames and mister Wharton love their wives and are loved by them. As to St. John Rivers, he left England, he went to India, he entered on the path he had marked for himself, he pursues it still, a more resolute, indefatigable, pioneer, never wrought amidst rocks and dangers, firm, faithful and devoted, full of energy and zeal and truth, he labours for his race, he clears their painful way to improvement, he hews down like a giant the prejudices of creed and caste that encumber it. He may be stern, he may be exacting, he may be ambitious, yet, but his is the sternness of the warrior great heart, who guards his pilgrim convoy from the onslaught of Apollon. His is the. This is a very long paragraph about Sinjin.
0: There's another one right after it.
1: (laughs) His is the exaction of the apostle who speaks but for Christ when he says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. His is the ambition of the high master spirit, which aims to fill a place in that first rank of those who are redeemed from the earth, who stand without fault before the throne of God, who shall share the last mighty victories of the Lamb, who are called and chosen and faithful. Sinjin is unmarried. Surprise, surprise.
0: You're going to feel bad in a little bit. You're going to feel real bad for that.
1: I don't think so. Sinjin is unmarried. He never will marry now. Himself has hitherto sufficed to the toil, and the toil draws near its close. His glorious sun hastens to its setting. The last letter I received from him drew from my eyes human tears, and yet filled my heart with divine joy. He anticipated his sure reward, his incorruptible crown i know that a stranger's hand will write to me next to say that the good and faithful servant has been called at length into his joy of his lord and why weep for this no fear of death will darken st john's last hour his mind will be unclouded his heart will be undaunted his hope will be sure his faith steadfast his own words are a pledge to this my master he says has forewarned me daily he announces more distinctly surely i come quickly and hourly i more eagerly respond Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. Finn.
0: The last word to St. John Rivers. Who knew? What an intensely Christian, like, a secretly, like, very Christian book. This is the Reliant K Of romance novels. So
1: true. They reel you in with Sadie Hawkins dance and then they get you with the Christ
0: stuff. So just as a reminder, the previous chapter's last line, or the would-be last line of this novel, or paragraph, then he stretched his hand out to be led. I took that dear hand, held it a moment to my lips, then let it pass around my shoulder. Being so much lower of stature than he, I served both for his prop and guide. We entered the wood and winded homeward, and you and I both commented on how the ending of this story is in nature, right? Winding through a wood, but we actually end with the divine final words of St. John Rivers. Why?
1: And just like all of the romance novels this book spawned centuries into the future, the epilogue (laughs) literally makes the book worse. (laughs)
0: Yeah, like I thought Jane genuinely believed that um, or knew Adele is Rochester's. That's definitely a more interesting story. Mm-hmm. But instead we find like her baby is his firstborn.
1: It's the firstborn of his heart,
0: I guess. Oh, let's be real. Say it. I mean, well, that's for sure true. Right. I'm glad that um, it was kind of. Like, there's some beautiful stuff in there. Like, I, I love the idea of, like, when we are all together, it is as peaceful as being alone and as thrilling as being in company. Like, there's beautiful reflections in that. And I love to know what the characters are doing, right? I love a holiday road ending. Mm-hmm. Like, we also get this like classism, we get this weird two whole paragraphs devoted to how great obvious asshole Sinjin is. And like it's just uh I mean it's nice because it keeps me from being too sentimental <laughs> about reading the last chapter.
1: It does perform that task unintentionally. Why give Sinjin and really Christ mm-hmm. the last part? Yeah. I guess it, because like in a lot of ways it
0: feels like it's a religious text.
1: Well, there's that. But it also kind of feels like an editor read, you guys are going to like retreat into the forest and he calls you fairy and she calls him guy trash.
0: Yeah. That's
1: some spooky witch shit. Mm -hmm. You don't get to have it. Add some Christ.
0: Or maybe not even an editor. Maybe like Charlotte herself kind of had that dawning, right? Or one of her sisters. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any perspective in the historical record on this. Because
1: this, this epilogue does feel at odds with how the last chapter ended. Yeah. But even as she prays John, she gets that weird dig in where she's like, he didn't write, for me, write to me for six months, and then he never mentions Rochester, so I know that he petty bitch, but God bless that Christian soldier ever steadfast.
0: Let's, Let's see if Cliff Notes has any perspective for us. The novel has a typically-for-a-Victorian-story happy ending. All of the characters who were good to Jane are rewarded. Love is. St- oh, uh, Cliff's Notes concludes by saying, Love is still Jane's religion. In relationship, Jane has found her heaven. So Cliff's Notes, our good buddy Cliff would have us think that this is meant to be like, See, Sinjin is about to find his heaven. But Jane has found her heaven, which also feels like her womanly heaven, which makes me want to slug Cliff. But, I don't know, maybe it's true. Maybe it's right.
1: No, I agree. Uh, I think it's very clear that she's found her heaven. And it's not, I mean, it's different than Sinjin's, clearly, but it's. she talks about her servant's heart and how that's the fondest wish to be of service. It's essentially what Sinjin is saying, that, like, to be a good and loving Christian is to have a servant's heart. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And hers is just for Rochester, and obviously St. John's is for a colonial project.
0: You know, for all the bluster about Rochester, this is so much a book about St. John, and for all the bluster about Bertha, this is very much a book about Christ. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that one of Bertha's mega sins in retrospect is that she is without christ that she is like unChristian.
0: yeah well and like yeah and the fact that this book chooses to end with bertha's skull cracking open on pavement and sinjin being delivered to heaven really makes it clear that this book does not care for bertha uh and any interpretations we had earlier where it was like oh maybe like this book is being sympathetic to her it was not it was not. Unless someone wants to argue against us and say the final chapter doesn't do that. And I would love to hear from them. <laughs> but yeah, anything else you'd like to say about this final chapter? No.
1: I mean, I do kind of love Reader, I Married Him. And like, Reader, did you think I forgot about Adele? Ah. <laughs> uh, I think
0: that's
1: Reader, a great I line. Reader, I Married
0: Him. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mama, I Married Him. Um, All right. Uh, well, with that, for the last time, we here at Womance advise you to loosen your janes,
1: but never your heirs. Mm-hmm.
0: Woly guacamole, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance.
1: Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan.
0: And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N.
1: Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonsack. They're the best.
0: You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon.
1: If you'd like more Woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womance and on Twitter where we are at Mance underscore Woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at WoeMancePodcast.com.
0: If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email WomanceMail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Romance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.